In today's episode, we discuss overcoming your limiting beliefs and mindsets, business success, the balance between external success and inward reflection, mindfulness, and more. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode, and thanks for tuning in. Today's show is brought to you by IcePod, finally an affordable, portable, and effective way to get the benefits of cold water immersion in the comfort of your own home. I opted for the Pro Bundle, which includes the ice pod, a water circulating pump, a special insulated lid, and a thermometer to check the temp of your water. Even in Georgia, the ice pod keeps my water between 60 and 70 degrees, and when I load it up with the 36 pack of water bottles that I use and refreeze after each session, I can easily get it around 50 degrees for the perfect cold water immersion experience. Despite being light and portable, the IcePod is super durable and it's the perfect solution for anyone who wants to experience the benefits of cold water immersion without spending thousands of dollars for a home water chiller or trying to DIY your own. Cold immersion can help with recovery and muscle soreness, raise dopamine levels, help you wake up and be more alert, help you to burn more calories, mobilize brown fat, and more. Visit podcompany.com and use my special promo code SHANE. 50107 for $10 off your order, and each sale helps to support the show as well. Stay cool out there, people. Are you looking for the perfect high-protein snack that isn't loaded with stuff like MSG, nitrates, and sugar? Carnivore Snacks is the perfect high-protein snack made from quality grass-fed beef and salt. That's it. Each bag uses one pound of high-quality beef, lamb, pork, or chicken, salt, and nothing else. Aside from being easy, healthy, and convenient, they also taste great. These snacks are not just another jerky. They are way better. Give a bag a try, and I know you'll keep coming back. Check out Carnivore Snacks, spelled with an X, dot com, and enter coupon code SHANE05137 for 15% off your order, and each sale will help support the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast as well. Welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, where ancient and modern wisdom come together to create a better way of living. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen, and each week we speak with successful people from a plethora of disciplines in search of wisdom from their own lives. Your own personal renaissance begins today. Let wisdom be your guide. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast. I'm here with today's guest, Adam Hergenrother. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you a bit. Um, I, I did a little bit of research about you, so I'm excited to get into your background and uh, you know what you got going on. So why don't you start out just with uh, introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you and your background? Yeah, it's always a fascinating question to introduce yourself, isn't it? You know, I, uh, like everybody, I'm a, you know, success and challenges in life. But if you kind of back up, um, my little journey was, you know, was, was interesting when I was, um, and I don't always share this in all the podcasts, but when I was growing, when I was, you know, early on, I'm talking like middle school age, like sixth, seventh and eighth grade, uh, I started, you know, hanging out with the wrong group and, um, you know, I, I was doing drugs, not like hard drugs, but like just, you know, I was, you know, Adderall and marijuana and stuff like that. And just, you know, it wasn't really great. And I ended up gaining a a ton of weight. Actually, at one point I was almost a hundred pounds overweight as a freshman in high school. 
Uh, and then something really interesting happened. You know, all along I was trying to be somebody else or be somebody else for other people. And that's kind of how I lived most of my life until I was about 15 or 16 years old. And it just felt very, you can use the word inauthentic, but the reality was that just, I knew like most people do that it just wasn't right. And I just didn't know how to fix it. And, you know, at one point as a freshman, it was like two weeks into my freshman year in high school, I just looked around at the people that I was hanging out with. And I just, I just remember, uh, like just being like, this is not the life that I'm supposed to live. And I didn't say it like that, right? Like I can put it in the words better now, more mature, and I can see and, and expand in my vocabulary. But, you know, I didn't, it wasn't, it was just more of like, there was this movement, if you will, that was just like, this is not for you. This is not going to be the purpose. Like, this is just, it's almost like you, if I stay down this path, it's, it's, it's going to be a waste. In fact, actually the majority of the people that I was hanging out with at the time, I wouldn't even call them friends. We actually ended up getting in for the, when I, so that night I came home, and was in between like crying and trying to vision at that point, got in the big visualization of kind of like what I really had positive affirmation, kind of like as a freshman, like what I wanted to do with my life. And I remember listening to like Celine Dion because it was back then. I just remember that song going over and over again. And I just decided that I didn't know what the other side of this looked like, but I just knew that I was no longer going to be, um, you know, I was no longer going to be, you know, operating my life from this capacity. And so I, um, I changed. I, the next day, I just I erased all those people from. I had a pager at the time, so I just kind of went through them all out, and and they didn't like that. They didn't like somebody kind of leaving their group, if you will, and and they threatened me with bats and guns. And it's no joke. Like, and we had police involved at one point. My dad smashed a window out in one of their car. It got real bad. And like, uh, my brother was in college, so his you know what it, where it ended was my brother brought like ten of his college kids down to all these high schoolers and. And that kind of ended that whole thing. Uh, and then they went away. And then I was just kind of in this no man's land. And I started at that time, started playing football. Um, and which is why sports has been so important to me because sports gave me that outlet to kind of put energy into something else, you know, understanding and, and creating relationships with new people and new friends. And, uh, and I, that just took me on my path. I lost a hundred pounds in a year. I, you know, stopped hanging out with those kids. I started turning my you know, my life around, if you will, from that element, it wasn't perfect from there. Let's be clear, but I completely did it. You know, I just kind of did it in about face and kind of went forward. It's important to start there because that was really my first moment of realizing that nobody can do a lot of the inner work for you. And it's got to be done by you, right? It's got to be done by you. And you've got to really want to do it. Um, I think if, you know, how does a drug addict constantly get drugs? Cause they really want them, right? Like you have to really want to do things um, to make these changes. Cause it's difficult and it's hard, especially when, you know, you have, you know, reality out there. So anyways, you fast forward. Um, I, I, when it ended up going to UVM, um, I, uh, two important points and I'll pause uh, so we can jump into the questions, but I, as a freshman in high school, I had a roommate that didn't go to school, but was a roommate. If anybody had one of those in, in college where like, he just kind of like hung out in place Thursday through Sunday night, if you will. And his dad owned the car dealership. And I had like five or $600 uh, in my bank account. And he's like, Hey, what if we put $500 each in and we buy a car, I'll fix it up. And I think we can sell it and we can each make like three or $400. Uh, you know, this was 2001, just put it in perspective. Yeah. So I was like, okay, great. And you know, $500 I was like, this is wonderful. And so I gave the $500, uh, he went and, and fixed it up and sold it. We each made a thousand dollars, right? That was, by the way, it was, it was a pivotal moment in my business career because it was also the first time that I really felt the use of leverage and money. And I just remember the feeling of being, I didn't see the car. I didn't do any of the work. 
I invested into somebody that wanted to do it themselves and I invested my money and I got a massive return. Mm. And so that, that whole year, I just kept reinvesting my money with him and ended up making somewhere between 60 and $65,000 in like a six month period of time. And then he also woke up one day and realized, well, I don't need your money. What are you doing? And so I also learned the value of contracts at that point. Um, but uh, so he kind of went his separate ways. But then I, from there, I took that money and bought a um, pre-construction condo unit. And if you remember the real estate market in 02, 03, 04 was just rising, right? So I bought a mm -hmm. pre-construction unit for like 160. By the time it was done, it was worth, you know, 220, 225. And so I ended up selling that right when I got out of college, um, right before the market collapsed, because I was actually forced to, I was renting it out. And I was like one of the only people that shouldn't be renting it, renting it. And uh, at that time, um, I was really upset that I had to sell it because I was like, no wonder why everyone's in real estate. The market just goes up. You put it in there and a couple of years later, it's worth, you know, $60,000, $70,000 more. And now I'm being forced to sell it. They called my note, actually. This company is no longer in existence called CTX called my note. And it's like the only person I've ever known that's been called a note. And at the time, I thought it was like the worst thing happening to me. And again, this was a big lesson in my life of realizing that um, a lot of the things that happen are actually happening for us, not to us. Because right after that, the market yeah. collapsed and the, the unit, my unit was the highest unit that sold in there until 2015. Um, so it, it took a while, I'm sorry, 2012. So it took a while for it to come back about six to seven years to hit that market again. I took that money and ended up buying um, an investment property and then fixed it up and, and, and held on to it for a period of time. So that's kind of the, the little bit of the journey um, when you look at the facets of my life from like a personal development or spiritual development growth. And then into kind of how I started getting into business. The, um, the only other point I'll make is, which is, I think it's kind of important in my journey. When I was like, I had this goal, probably like a lot of people, um, which I thought the, I thought I was the goal, which now I realize goals just have, you know, they have a beginning and an end. They're not your purpose in life. They're just a goal. But at the time I, I got really entrenched with buying into the concept that if I had power, money and success to create the world the way I wanted it to, then I would be ultimately happy and fulfilled every moment of every life, which is kind of, you know, the American dream, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I went out there and did that. And I had this goal of making $500,000 in net income. And if I did that, then there would be a fruit tree in the backyard that would ultimately give me complete well-being in my life. Right. I didn't say it that way, but that's, you know, that's what you think. Like I'm just, yeah. everyone's after an inner experience. If you go get power, money, and fame, you can control the moment. So therefore you're going to have a controlled, wonderful inner experience. And it's going to be the way you want it to. And so I bought into that. And that was kind of like the hope, if you will, is like, once you get there, then it's going to be there. I arrived at that around 27 years of age and I felt worse <laughs> and I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to deal with that. To be honest with you, I, I, you know, it's interesting when you're trying to strive for something, you always believe once you get it, you're going to then be able to realize it, feel it and keep it. But once you get there and you've realized it and you realize it didn't change your inner experience and you're still having the same tape play in your head, then you go, well, then where's the hope, right? Then what, what's the point mm -hmm. of all of this? And that's essentially what happened with me was I go, well, then why are we, what are we doing this for? This doesn't work. So I'm going to get off this race, but I don't want to go sit in a cave either. Like, so what is the, what is the point of life? That essentially was a big moment turning point in my life when I was about 26, 27. And then that's when I, I went down a very deep, you'd call it spiritual path, personal growth path. Like, you know, I, I don't sit and I don't wear the clothes of like a Buddha. I don't practice that. I just went and said, look, I understand that the, the things that I'm doing outside are purely generation are, are purely 
for the per sole purpose of creating a wonderful inner experience. And it works temporarily. When you get what you want, you feel better, but nobody's ever got what they wanted, never not want something else. And so I just woke up and said, that's to me what awakening means is just that you wake up and go, this whole trajectory of how I have my life going doesn't work. It doesn't mean though that you can't go out there and live a big life. It doesn't mean you can't have some wine or take a vacation or have things, right? Or kids or relationships. It just means that's not the purpose of your life to be able to turn you on. And so that led into, for me into a, um, to where we are today. I just turned 42 into a very deep inward path. And the interesting thing is that the deeper I went into a, a personal growth, spiritual growth path was the more, um, more success I started having outwardly as well too. So I'll just yeah. pause there. So that long run up. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really love that intro. And there's, uh, I think it does a really good job of like illustrating, I think what a lot of people go through, but obviously people go through a different, like different yes. steps in life. And there's, there's so many components to like a, a good life. Um, it's, it's simple, but it's, it's not simple. And I like that, you know, you point out kind of like the first step in childhood, just looking at your situation and saying, I would like to be in a different situation. And I think everybody has probably experienced this to yeah. some extent, but, but some people, they may get stuck in one set of life and they're on that track for a very long time, unhappy before they realize. So yes. obviously you're, you're fortunate that you identified it early and young. Um, you know, the, I don't even know why that happened. You know, people <laughs> ask me that sometimes podcasts are like, was there a turning point? And you know, why do you have, you know, the energy to go do certain things? You know, is that even us? Right. Is that like, is that, that I, I didn't know if I did that. Right. So like, I, I almost can't even give myself credit for that. Sure. I took the physical action, but where'd the motivation come to make that change? Right. I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, and that's, that's kind of the mystery of, of life, if you will, of, of where these energies and these motivations come from. Sure. Yeah. I mean, recently I've been going through a lot more, um, you know, spiritual, spiritual stuff, internal stuff as well too. And, you know, I know like Socrates talks about like his, his, uh, Damon, you know, there's, I, mm -hmm. I think that there, there is like a, I don't know, there's a, there's an inner voice that we have. And I think that a lot of times we get so busy, we get caught up in life, we get caught up in stress and anxiety and our own emotions. And we kind of like block that voice out, but sometimes it is just listening to and call it intuition, you know, whatever you want to call it. But there, there's something in there that if you dig in and you can learn to silence some of the other voices and listen. I think that there's a lot of wisdom that this just generates from within us, from wherever it comes from. Shane, you know, um, one of the things that I, that I've, that I've kind of put a note on, and, and this is just literally just watching my inner experience is we all have that voice inside our head, right? That's the voice that, you know, tries to derail you. It's, it's, I always think like self mastery is overcoming that voice inside your head, but there is, there's two different, there's two voices, right? There's, mm, yeah. there's the voice that is ego or psyche driven, which is based on your experience, which is what most people go to. Whenever there's a problem, you go to your mind and you ask it to solve the problem. It literally doesn't know how to solve most problems. Like two plus two, yes, it can do that. I'm not talking about the analytical mind, right? That's a completely different. I'm talking about the personal mind that generates thoughts. It's nature, like a wolf is to howl. And the mind's nature is to create thoughts. And that's really what it does. There's once you get, I think what people do is they get so caught up in that level of thought that they buy mm -hmm. into that process that that is what they should be doing in life. And whatever that voice tells them to do, people go do it, right? They just, they follow that voice. Once you learn to just separate yourself from that and just understand what the voice is, it's just a talking head that's in there. It's an annoying roommate. It's a two-year-old toddler that's spoiled, whatever it is you want to refer to it as, it's just talking. Then when you, when you quiet that down, 
they're they're from behind their approaches this newer energy that comes in there and sometimes it's movement sometimes it's voice sometimes it's just a a overwhelming sensation the visceral feel of the direction that you want to go but it's one thing that everyone that i've ever spoken to in my own experience it's a different feeling than like the left side of your brain, which is where thought comes from mm-hmm. coming in there. And once you've experienced both, you go, well, that's thought, that's ego, that's psyche, which is just a collection of experiences, you know, um, and, and events that you've heard, learnings, books, you've read all that stuff over there. And then from behind, there seems to be a deeper movement that comes in to what you're speaking to, which then helps guide you a little bit more. But most people hear that and then they hear their voice in their head and they instantly go, I have that too that's not the voice that people are referring to or that you're referring to. Mm-hmm. It's the deeper visceral feel, this conscious contact that you can have with it. That is the movement of the, the consciousness or the energy itself. That, that's a really, that's a really important distinction. Like the, the monkey mind, so to speak, versus like yeah. the watcher, the, the, yeah. this thing that is there that is able to observe the ego and the, the inner drivings and cravings and kind of like the, the hedonic treadmill that we get stuck in. I think that that's a really important distinction for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. T- tell me a little bit about like, uh, I mean, obviously I know you're working on, uh, you're working on a, a big book coming up the, uh, 200% life. Tell, tell me about that and anything else you're working on currently. Yeah. Awesome. You know, I, I still am an active CEO. I, you know, I have over a thousand people at our organizations, you know, we've done a couple billion dollars in sales volume this year. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, that's just part of the roles that I play. I don't, you know, I don't think I'm any better than anybody. It just happened to be in this role that we're doing it. So we're constantly optimizing and, and working on that and, and, and trying to solve uh, a major problem in the real estate industry for what we're doing there. Um, you know, all along though, I've been a, um, at heart, I've been a teacher, a writer, um, and, uh, I, I love creating content and I love sharing it. Um, similar to probably you and, and, you know, the people listening. And so that's honestly how I started building businesses was I started teaching and training. And then I attracted people to my way of thinking or to a way of thinking. I wouldn't say it's mine because it's been out there for a while uh, into an organization and, and our values, our missions, our beliefs, what we do. And we collected people to that. So I've, I can operate businesses, but I'm not really that great of an operator. In fact, most of the businesses that I've ever ran, I've fired myself as, as you know, the leader as soon as I could and held on the equity interest in it, put somebody else that's better at operating in place so I can go out there and teach, be in the writing room, if you will. Um, and so one of the things that we, that I think is a staple of our entire organizations at Adam Hurd and other companies is this kind of philosophy that there is a 200% life, right? Which is you have this 100% outer world, you have 100% inner world. And honestly, the, the book comes from just me explaining it over and over and over again. But the genesis from that is, is, is me solving my own therapy, to be honest with you. Like, and, and when I went into this kind of 2008 and nine, when I was going through this iteration of changes, when I hit that number and a couple of years after that, I, I was like, well, hold on a second. Like I, I had this idea or perception of what a spiritual person would be, which is somebody that's sitting Indian style, you know, reciting haikus in a cave next to a fire, which isn't even comfortable by the way. Like that just like, and I was like, I don't want to do that. Right. Like I, I want to have a family. Like I, I like, I just, I, it was very clear. There's certain things. I also love building business. I love interacting with people. I love, I also love introspective time. So I really wrestled with this chain for a while. And, and at, remember in 2009, the, it, the the type of conversations we're having weren't necessarily as prevalent back then as they are now in terms of spiritual growth, awakening, consciousness, you're hearing it from, from everybody now. And so there wasn't really, there was language, the Bhagavad Gita, you know, there's Michael Singer, Eckhart Tolle, Ganga Ji. There's a whole bunch of people that are out there that were speaking these. Um, it just wasn't as, as prominent as it is today. 
So I, uh, I just started teaching this one day in a class, just all of a sudden in a business course. And I said, Hey, anybody realize you got this voice in your head? And everyone's like, what? And then there's like 500 people in a room. And they're, then I was like, yeah, you guys, am I the only one that has this voice, man? This was like, literally like, again, like 14 years ago. And everyone's like, well, I do. And I was like, really? I was like, so then I just, then the whole rest of the class, I started teaching that. And it was like the best class that I taught. And then people started coming back more. And I just realized that there was this thirst for this conversation, not because I know what I was talking about, just because it's bringing some knowledge for, for them to explore their own inner world and me just helping point them into that direction or almost giving them permission to do so, right? It's not even like we're even doing anything, just giving people permission to do that. And so I, I then I, I started framing this in my own life years ago of like, kind of like this, this, it helped me anyways, as a model for my life to live. Like I have this hundred percent outer world and I have a hundred percent inner world. It's kind of like, again, and we don't have to reference, um, you know, necessary things, but when Jesus said, you know, I'm in this world, but not of it, it's kind of the same thing of saying it's a 200% life, right? It's I'm in this world, but not of this world. And I'm in this world. Therefore I want to play with it. Like there's trees, there's birds that sing, there's dogs, there's people that look different. There's, I mean, there's all these different things like Disneyland every day outside, right? To a certain extent. And there's a hundred percent outer world. And I love playing with the outer world, right? That's part of the experience. And so I, I, I didn't want to give that up in a way of renunciation because renunciation is the same thing of going after things. It's the same energy. It's just a different thought pattern, right? One is I'm going to do everything to get rid of everything. The other one is I'm going to go after everything. Either way, it's the same context, by the way, right? So when people choose a path where I'm going to go live a simple life is the same as somebody going, I want to go live a big life. It's just, it's the same thought. It starts with the same thought that's originated. There's just two different paths of going to get there. And so I'm like, I'm just rationalizing all this. And I go, I need something that every day I can kind of rely on. And so I created this 200% life concept, which again is 100% outer world. And that's roles that we play. You're a father, you're a brother, you're a CEO, you're a janitor at times, right? You're, you know, you're cleaning up your dog, you're helping with your kids, you're helping a neighbor, whatever it is, you just, these roles. There are, you know, there's a physical body that you have, which people know you're, you know, you're not your body because you could take an arm off and you're still in there, right? So you have the body and then, you know, you have these physical things, you have experiences, you can go on vacation, you can acquire things, you can give things away. And it's wonderful. It's a big life. And then you, but more importantly, you have this, what I think is just, um, which is just not paid attention to enough, though it is. I say that reluctantly because people are paying attention to it. They just don't recognize how they're paying attention to it. You have this inner world, which is the inner experience that you're having at all times. That's the only thing, by the way, that anybody ever cares about. The only reason why people do what they want to do outside is to create a better inner experience, which right. is again, the other hundred percent of their life. You have a hundred percent inner life, hundred percent outer life. The inner life represents, you know, the, the voice that's inside your head. You have these emotions that show up all the time. Sometimes you can create them other times. Most of the time they just show up. Um, you have a spiritual heart, which is different than your physical heart. Right. And then inside there's also, you have all of those things, but then the component to the S the X factor in the hundred percent inner world is that there's somebody witnessing all of that. There's somebody witnessing the voice. There's somebody witnessing emotions. There's somebody witnessing the heart feel lost or the heart feel a birth of a child, right? There's something in there and that's you, right? That's a consciousness that's experiencing. And you mentioned earlier, the watcher, the witness of life, right? Mm -hmm. That's the inner world. And what I've come to realize is that, you know, most people, including me, all of us just have been trained, at least in the Western society, to go get what you want get enough fame, power, and money so that we can then control the moment that's in front of us to get the moment the way we want it to so that we can feel better inside. 
But what people are now realizing after they've many people have accomplished this is that doesn't work because once you get what you want, you want something else, or you're trying to keep it or trying to avoid people taking it from you. You're still miserable inside. I, I, I mean, sure. There's relative bouts of happiness and you're probably better than the day that you got divorced. I'm not talking about that. Right. I mean, this is literally why the Buddha went out and said, all life is suffering. He didn't mean that you broke your arm and you're suffering every day. He just means people are trying to go get the moment a different way than the moment is. The reason the moment's so special is because every one of us has something to work on. And when the moment happens, all of us are, the moment hits each one of us differently. You could refer to it as, if you're familiar with the term samskara, right? It's mm -hmm. an ancient Sanskrit term. It's basically a samskara is a stored energy. Every event has energy to it. And so when an event happens, you either let it pass, you push it, or you cling to it. Naturally, if it's something that doesn't feel good, you push it away. Either way, or if it's something that you feel good, you want to hold on to it and keep that inner feeling. Either way, what you're doing is you're storing that energy inside you, which is why the circle is the most powerful form in the universe, because it's able to stay within you and keep moving. It just moves in a circle. And they've come up, you know, many people 2,000, 3,000 plus years ago in Sanskrit came up with the word samskara, which is to describe, you know, stored energy. And so anyways, um, for me, like what, what we worked on is, is creating a model and a handbook for how people can live their life through the 200% way. Um, and again, and again, this is not telling anybody how to live their life, what to do, what not to do. To me, it's irrelevant. The goal with the book is to provide a model for people to be able to go out there and to be able to do the inner work so that there's only two things that are happening. Either you're enjoying the moment fully that's in front of you, or you're working on yourself so that you're removing the part of you that's preventing you from enjoying the moment that's in front of you. Really, really, really well said. Uh, you know, something that for anybody that is a, you know, a dedicated listener, I think that they would probably realize that like over, over some of the past episodes, I'd say probably over the last 10 or 15 episodes, something that I've been wrestling with a lot is I guess what you were kind of talking about of, and to sum it up a little bit, like the, 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 the balance between like the aesthetic, uh, contemplative sacrificial life where you kind of give everything up and become the monk yeah. and participating in the world. And I've, I've had a lot of religious stuff. I mean, I, I've been thinking a lot about Jesus lately too. And I know you referenced that. Um, it, it's hard to find that, that balance at times. I think when you really think about it, right, because th there's this, this call to just give up the world and focus solely on the inner, but at the same time, there's like this, this inner drive and this compelling to go out and, there's like even scripture would would support both sides you know they they tell us like multiply your talents like take the talents go out into the world multiply them you see contrasts even in like the old testament right you see king david who goes out and conquers kingdoms and you know builds up this like huge vast network of success but then you see prophets like elijah who just clothe themselves in in sackcloth and they're they're not really involved in politics or anything other than just guiding some of these like more powerful men into the the, the kind of actions that they should do. So I guess, um, you know, I, I'm going to ask you, cause I'm asking selfishly a little bit. I mean, like what, what's your advice for, for finding the balance in between those, those two worlds, right? The, the inner 100% and the outer 100%. That's a beautiful question. And I love your path. That's awesome. Um, congratulations. Thanks. That's a, that's essentially the, the genesis of the wrestling that I started with, you know, 15 years ago was exactly what you said right there. That was sure. the starting point of my deep journey. Here's, um, 
you know, there are, there are contrasts. Here's what I will say though. There's a lot of pointings to the right direction, whether that's in the Bhagavad Gita, the autobiography of Yogi, you hear this from Mahavir Harshi. And what they really say is if those who renunciate are, are giving up the opportunity to do the real work for why you're here, which the world in the living in the active world delivers to you. And so the other way of kind of saying that is business is nothing but a conduit for our personal growth. So it's not about getting what you want or renouncing what it really is. It's about going and living a very ordinary life. When I say ordinary. I mean, it's not about the clothes you wear. It's not about how long you meditate. It's about going each moment and going out there and whatever the moment gives to you. If the moment is lifting you up and you're enjoying it, enjoy that moment. If you're disturbed, if your energy is disturbed by the moment, in that moment, you have the opportunity to let the energy come through you. So regardless of what activity you're doing, it's irrelevant. That's why the, you just take a step back and go, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, whether you decide to renounce, whether you decide to give up worldly possessions or whether you go after them, there's going to be opportunities for you to do the work. And in my experience, the more you become clearer, the more you start, you know what I'm talking about? That one moment in, in where all of a sudden a moment happens, an email comes in, a phone call comes in, somebody says something to you and you're instantly disturbed. You're fine and you're instantly disturbed. It's mm -hmm. that moment. That's where the rubber meets the road in spirituality. That's spiritual growth, by the way. That's person. That's real deep personal growth. And the Buddha referred to it as working at the root, right? Which is the root work. It's, it's almost irrelevant what it blossoms to. The root work is when the, in that moment and something is bothering you that you relax and release. What I mean by that is it's, if, if, if you get angry, you don't relax anger. This is a, this is a, um, a common, uh, mistake people make in their journeys. They then go in there and try to relax the anger and that doesn't work. What you have to do is you who's in there witnessing the anger has to relax so it can pass through you. As an example of this, you can kind of get an image of this. If, a, if there's a very crystal clear pond, there's not a ripple in it. And all of a sudden you throw a rock in there, it creates a ripple and the, and the ripples, the disturbance and instantaneous, you go, I don't like that disturbance and ripple. So you jump in the pond and you start trying to smooth the ripple out. Well, that's not all you're doing is just messing up and creating a lot more damage inside, which is what most people do. They get mm -hmm. angry and they instantly go, well, screw that person. I tell you what I'm going to do over here. How dare they do this over there? Here's why I'm so much better than this. I can't wait to write this email to them. I can't wait to get them back. I'm going to get vengeance. Right? They just get on this. Whole, that's what you're doing, jumping in the pond, trying to smooth it out. Instead of going, okay, wow, I got disturbed there. I'm going to sit for a second and let this energy pass. So I'm going to sit there, the pain that releases all pain. So I'm going to let it work its way through me, relax and release, and let the anger, which is not relaxed and not at all easy to come through. As it comes through, you instantly remove that part of you. That's why in, you talk about the Bible a lot earlier. It's like St. Paul said, I die daily. Or even Jesus says, you have to lose yourself to find the new self, right? It's again, mm -hmm. you have to die to be reborn. All of those references is you're removing the ego, the death of the ego, if you will, right? And so the practice of what we just described there is literally the removal of the ego. As that starts to shit away, you then gain even more clarity. And this is where I was going back with my experience. The more that starts to move away, the further back you get, the further the energy starts lifting you up and the clearer your path becomes. The reason why people have a very tough time with decisions and one of the most challenging times is when you first take this step, this orientation into your spiritual life, you're caught between two worlds. One, you see the truth and one, you're kind of like, you're still going, I don't want to let this go. 
I don't want to let this go. What happens if I let this go? Everything's going to fall apart. What else is going to have my podcast? going to have my money. I've got to take care of my family. Like, and you're caught between these two worlds. And so one's trying to pull you back. The other one, you see the truth. And this is the, the most, and we talk about this in the 200% life book. That's like the first phase of after you have this kind of honeymoon of like, oh, I'm this wonderful spiritual guy. I get it now. And then all of a sudden you realize when it settles in, you're like, holy shit, no, I've got so much work to do. And that's that next phase where you start to see that. And so in that thing, in that phase, the, the most important thing that I can share with you and worked, worked for me and what people have shared with me is in that moment, you just always take the moment and you relax and release. And so if you're disturbed, you let the moment pass through you. And as it passes through you, it's gone forever. It's literally, that's again, going back to, I die daily. You, you have to lose yourself to find the new self, right? All of that is in reference to removal of the ego. And as that happens, you end up finding this entire new life, which then looks almost identical to life that you're living. Just the part of you that is doing it is completely different. Mm -hmm. You know, the, there's like a couple, a couple thoughts come to mind. One, I think of, um, for example, like I'm, I'm really into stoicism. I think, you know, stoicism is very popular these days, which is a good thing. Uh, yeah. you know, you, you think of like, for example, Seneca or Marcus Aurelius, right? They're, they're very wealthy, powerful, influential individuals, um, that, that go out. I mean, Marcus was an emperor. Seneca was, you know, possibly the richest man in Rome. I mean, he tutored an emperor. He was uh, a politician. politician. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, there are these men that are in these like super influential, powerful, wealthy positions, yet they, they still find time and, and place a huge emphasis more so probably on the inner world than the external. And I think that I guess that is, that's part of it, right? Is like, even like the Stoics would say the, the preferred indifferent, right? If you can do more good work with a vast amount of money than you can if you're poor, right? I mean, if you're poor, you're, you're very limited in the good work that you can go out and do in the world. If you wanted to give back or help someone, it's, it's very difficult to do so if you can barely provide for yourself versus, you know, someone who is very fortunate in life, someone that has a lot of wealth or whatever, if, if they have the inner world I won't say perfected because that's a, it's a lifelong thing, but um, if they have a, a strong foundation in the inner world and they're not necessarily driven by their vices, but more so on like the cultivation of self, they can go out and they can do a lot more good world in the world, a good work in the world. And I suppose that's the multiplication of the talents, right? Is that um, going out there, the, the thing that I come back to sometimes, and um, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm diving too deep into it is that. I feel like sometimes like the amount of energy that you have to put into the outer world, right. That to actually go out, like it's difficult, right. To, to go out, to, to make goals, to kind of like shape reality, to form to your will, the energy that you put there. Sometimes I feel kind of like distracts you from the pursuit distracts you from the inner, right. Because you can only, our minds are so limited. You can focus on like kind of one thing in each individual moment. Um, so, you know, what I do is I try to take times just for prayer. Or I try to set timers and alarms and things to just kind of ground me again and get me back into that inner world. But do you have any tips for, you know, as you're kind of pursuing that outer world of how to not lose sight of the inner journey as well? Yeah, it's a wonderful question. I love that. Thank you. Uh, two yeah. things. I'm going to share the tips in a second that I, that I, that were taught to me, but also, um, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating in life because we 
we still, there's still a lot of people caught up in thinking that the doing world is going to satisfy my inner world. Right. Yeah. What you have to realize is that that's not going to work. And therefore then the goals don't have that feeling and that energy over you. So when you're going out there and still think I need to strive, it's harder because you, you, what you're saying is I need this to happen for me to feel good. I need this to happen for me so that this energy inside me can be released. I just approach it the opposite way. And it's the same thing when people ask me, like, how do you, you know, it's a big question of like, how do I go get what I want? Like life coaches are teaching that. Look, and I'm all about anybody that's, that's teaching anything to help somebody. That's a wonderful step. Sure. And then it's like, well, how do I go find my passion? Again, I have a different approach to this, which is why wouldn't you put yourself in a state that you're passionate for anything that you do? Otherwise you're now conditioned to only do certain things in life, which we have no yeah. really control over to make us find our passion. And so I just, one day I, I was like, well, why wouldn't I just go be passionate for anything that I get to do? Therefore my inner world at any moment that I die or any moment that I'm no longer here is just filled with passion for anything that I'm doing, whether it's driving my kids to, you know, to school or to doing the dishes, like you're just in a state of well-being. That's the, and then when you do that, you then want to contribute. I, people always, then sometimes they, they always make this in like larger groups. They go, well, if I just feel that way, then what's the point of doing anything? They kind of throw their hands up like this. And I'm like, well, that's ego. That's fine. But it's a great question. It's the same thing. When you are feeling absolute enthusiasm for life, do you want to sit in bed? No, you just want to contribute. You want to create, you want to serve, right? And you're not doing it to get the goal. You're not doing it to get something from it. You're not needing anything from the goal. You're just doing it because you're filled with energy that's inside you of creating an enthusiasm to do it. An apple tree is not creating apples and going, only deer can eat these things. Bears, moose, squirrels, you guys are out, right? Like we're not doing this. And it's not, it's not, it's not hard. It's just following the, the, the nature is producing apples, just like humans can produce their own service and find ways to do this. So again, I, I just think about this a little bit differently as you get on your journey and your path for anybody listening, no matter where you are, it's do, if you, the more deep work that you do, the more that you show up and just serve, it's never about getting what you want. A yogi or somebody that is on that path is never looking to get what you want because the minute you get what you want, you want something else. Then you want something else and then you want something else. So it just doesn't work. A couple tips that I certainly love to use. And we do talk about this in the book. Um, for kind of staying more grounded. Number one, I think it's preactive, meaning that things that you can do every single day. So my my life, I get up between four and 4.30. I first thing I do is I meditate for 20 minutes. Um, and the meditation is really just about centering myself, getting clarity. It's For me, it's not about what state you get into in meditation. I've had many, many different states. And I don't even like talking about it because it's just, it's irrelevant. I'm not there right now. So like, it doesn't matter to me, right? I'm all more much more concerned about what moment I'm in right now. Um, so it's about doing that deeper work meditation. Then I get into a series of journaling and then I exercise for anywhere between an hour to two to three hours, depending on the day. Um, and then from, from the journaling helps, the meditation helps, exercise helps. And then again, in the middle of the day, I also meditate again around 12 o'clock every day. Um, just to kind of reset myself. What I also do is I don't do this as much anymore. It's almost more automatic, but early on, probably 10 years ago, every time I pulled into my office before I got out of my truck. I reminded myself that I'm not here to get anything from any of my employees. I'm not here to get anything from any of my customers. I'm not here to get anything from anybody. I'm not needing anything. I'm here to walk in here and meet the moment and raise the moment up for whatever is being asked of me while I'm here. That's it. Now, did I fail at that all the time? But that was my constant reminder. 
I also created some anchor points. Every time I pick up my phone is just, I've just over time, I've trained myself to go, do I need anything from this call? Do I need anything? I'm not needing anything from this email. I'm not trying to get anything from this. I'm just trying to, if something's asked of me, I'm going to do it. And if I get bothered by the email or the phone call or walking into an office or to a meeting, that's on me. That has nothing to do with the other person. What people think of me or think of you is has nothing to do with you, right? Just let them do what there's nothing to do with you, period. So why you get bothered by what people think of you is just, is honestly wild that people do that because you can't control somebody else's thoughts or emotions anyway. So you just let them do their thing and you show up, which is, and again, I've also created the mission statement for kind of my life. You call it a mission statement, just a, a pole star, if you will, which is that every moment that passes by me, I try to raise the moment up so that the moment that passes by me is better off for having passed by my consciousness, whatever that is. Right. And yeah. that's just, so I always kind of remind myself of that. Uh, on a daily basis. And at this point, it's just, it's, it's so automatic. The minute I feel this ton, this tinge of this pull, cause that's what it is. It's a pull downward. When the energy gets hit, it pulls you down, right? Like it wants to pull you inward, downward towards your gut. The minute that starts to happen, you have to let go and release. Mm. Great, great tips. And actually you're like, you're answering a lot of my questions. I'm not even having to ask you cause we're just yeah. flowing through. Um, really, really good tips. You know, I, I like that you mentioned your habits there. That's always something I like to ask about too. Um, you know, something that popped into my head, right. I'm, I'm thinking like, fortunately, this isn't really something I have to experience. I have a, you know, I have a pretty good career and stuff lined up as far as like my day job goes. Um, but I think there's a lot of people out there and, you know, I've been for most of my life, the majority of my life, I've been in this boat, um, where, <sighs> People are in a job, not not like a passion, right? Not something that they're passionate about. They're not going out there, but they're in a job because they've got a family, they've got bills they've got to pay, and they're just stuck in this job. And it sometimes it's like it's very draining, right? Like you, you go in, you do this job, and it, like you have to do things the way that you wouldn't want to do, and you have to treat customers the way you wouldn't want to treat customers. And there's there's all these like things that you have to do that are just like so against your nature. Do, do you have a recommendation for, you know, for someone that just kind of feels stuck in like, not a career, right? But just a job. They're just in that job. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful question. Um, you, you may not like my answer because it's going to be very similar, but the, the uh -huh. reality is, is regardless of whatever state you're in, there's nothing wrong with changing your life situation. Just understand that there's nothing wrong with setting goals. There's in the Bhagavad Gita, by the way, if you haven't read that or anybody hasn't read oh, yeah. that, it's a wonderful way of kind of answering that question of leaning into life and then we're in the inner world. It's about going out there and holding things accountable, but letting go of the personal gain that comes from any of that. Anyways, that's kind of the reference of Bhagavad Gita. But the, um, uh, in that situation, you have two choices. And this is kind of what I always say to individuals that come in there. You can yeah. either let go of the part of you that's struggling with what you're doing, or you can remove yourself from the situation. It doesn't do any good to go in there and being frustrated or angry at what you're doing, because now you're even polluting the world even more, right? So say you don't like it, but you have a responsibility. Everyone understands that. There's a mechanical aspect of living in life. There's money. And for some reason, right now, that's our currency and that's what we're using. And that's that's gets things going. It's fine. It's part of life. So you go in there, you do the responsibility. But then I would turn it around and go, why? what is bothering me, me inside about this particular thing? And then in my experience, when people start doing that inner work, 
what happens is other people notice the change in that person and they're removed from that situation for another opportunity. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's like almost the minute you're willing to lean into whatever thing you're being asked to do, other people then instantly open up and go, huh, you know what? Shane's actually doing really good over here. I wonder if he'd be awesome in this department or, you know, somebody else sees you from out there and you're, and you're just serving the moment you're coaching soccer. And somebody's like, man, you've been doing a really great job. You've, what you've done is you've changed the part of you that's interacting with life versus if you're in that state or going, can't believe I have to do this. Why am I doing this? You don't think that that translates to everything else that you're doing, which is why you're stuck in the same pattern. Mm. So again, mm. it's working at the root. It's irrelevant what activity you're doing to me. The point is, is you're going in there and doing the inner work, which is why you're doing that. And as you let go, it, and again, in almost all experiences, your life situation ends up changing for the better because of the deep inner work that you do. Now, it may be scary because that's going to feel like, well, I don't, what's, what you're going to find is you're defending why you shouldn't have to change in there. And that is your ego is what you're defending. Because the ego goes in there and goes, Shane, I shouldn't have to do this. I shouldn't have to put up with this person. Why should I have to be bagging this stuff right now? And you end up doing, you end up defending your position for being frustrated. So if you're going to defend your own position for being angry or irritated or frustrated, you're going to stay in that state. What you have to be willing to do is go, I'm willing to sit here and allow that part of me that wants me to defend it to just be itself and do its own thing and do its dance. I'm no longer going to jump in the pond and try to smooth this out. I'm going to let it do its thing. And eventually that'll settle down and calm down. And you start to see other options with more clarity. Or again, as we started this conversation, you start to have more of that deeper intuition, that deeper movement that pulls you in a different direction. Yeah, that's, that's really, really good advice. I think, yeah, and it, it is a very similar answer, right? It's, it's about changing the perspective and, and focusing kind of on the inner world that processes the outer world. I, I will ask you like, just as an extension, so yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example from my own personal life. I, I was a, yeah. a nurse. I was an LPN for about six years and um, I absolutely hated being a nurse, uh, at least as an LPN, I think maybe it would have been different if I was an RN in a hospital and actually helping people. Sure. But like when you're an LPN in a long-term yeah. care facility, and I'm not mm -hmm. really someone that obviously I believe in modern medicine, but I don't think that we are on the right track for modern medicine, the way that we treat, the way that we treat symptoms that I just, I think we're way off track in a lot of ways. But, um, when you're a nurse in a, in a, in a nursing home, your, your job is basically to like, to feed like 20 something pills every three hours to, you know, this person that like, sometimes they're, they're kept alive by artificial means. And it's like, mm -hmm. there, there's just, there's a lot of ethical like dilemma that I had. And that was part of why it was so soul sucking for me because I'm like, I'm giving all these pills and I just, I know that this isn't the right thing. Like, I just, I know that the doctor should should take these 20 pills. They should take them off of the stuff. They should start putting them back on. Cause there's a thing called polypharmacy, for example, where you have so many drugs that there's so many interactions that you start to give more drugs to treat symptoms of the drugs, as opposed to actually treating like an underlying disease process. So if you find yourself where you're in a, in a work or a job or a field where you just truly feel that there is a, an ethical conflict in what you're doing, like what you're doing just doesn't it doesn't line up with that inner world. I mean, is your recommendation just pretty much at that point to, to step out, you know, to make a change? 
you know, I think it's, um, I think everyone has to make that decision for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that the me telling somebody that, or you telling Shane, somebody that is, it may or may not be the right thing, right? They may have other responsibilities for it. I, I think right. the first thing that I would do is I would lean into whatever I'm doing in that moment. And then, and then that is the clarity that will give and come to you to help you make the next decision that is best right. for you. Cause the reality is I don't actually know the best decision for somebody, neither do sure. you. Right. Like, and so it, that's why the, <laughs> the, the deepest path, the root path is to, there's something that I'm blocking you. And most likely Shane, you're probably right. It probably would be that I'm going to remove my life situation and I'm going to do this. But if currently I've signed up for this and I'm doing this, I'm going to lean in at least for this moment. Yeah. And then you may lean in for six hours when you're at work and then go, it's clear to me that I shouldn't be here. And there's a clear sign, but I've leaned in for the last six hours and I just resigned. Right. Or all of a sudden you go in there and you lean in and, and all of a sudden somebody, you know, it's literally how you call it magic, call it like the Dharma. Just almost, we've, we've created words for how the world works. But the reality is, is it's so funny because we don't do anything to make the world go round. And yet then we think we have this insignificant amount of life that we can actually influence. And we think we can actually do so much with it. Like nobody's making your pancreas secrete right now. Nobody's making your heartbeat right now. Where did you get your eyesight from? How did your body even grow? How's move? How's moving the world? Like everything is taken care of and we let it just happen. And yet when we get into the, their own, our own inner experience, we get to this egoic state. We'll go, I need to go create the life that I want to create, but you have no idea what that even is. I mean, the mm-hmm. amount of the world, we thought the world has been here for 13.8 billion years. Now, a couple months ago, they just said, Oh, no, actually it's 27.8 billion years, right? That the, the galaxies have been here. The cosmos have been here. Earth has been here for 4.5 billion years. It would literally be like you taking a book that has a hundred million pages and you take three or one sentence and you read it and you go, I know exactly what this book is about. And and that's kind of how we're operating. We're not doing any of this to make ourselves be here. (laughs) There's 23 trillion cells in your body. There's billions of galaxies and trillions of stars in each galaxy. I mean, think about the complexity there for a second, right? And so again, my, my point of even saying any of that is that we, we, rare, we rarely know the path um, from the state of asking our minds because our minds only know what we've seen, experienced, learned, or taught, which again is a f- insignificant as it relates to what the world and the galaxies have been doing. And also along with an answer to then come back to is, which is why I always go back to, okay, then what can I do to be more in line with that, which knows way more about it than I do, uh, or the egoic mind does. Right. And so when you do that, then you fall in more nature there. And to me and in my experience, and and probably in yours too, you, the door opens up, right? Whatever you want to refer to it as the, the sayings that go like one door closes, the next one opens up. But what it requires is you to lean in. I mean, look, there's horrific moments. They're not morally right. They're not morally just. They're not wrong. They're not the way you want it to. It's just the world is just happening. There's 8 billion people. Everybody wants the world to be a certain way right now, right? It's just, that's why there's wars. That's why there's arguments is because everyone sees it, wants it differently. That, by the way, is the whole consciousness of, of, if you will, from the egoic side, which is I want the world to show up in a certain way so it makes me feel good inside. 
All right, now I'm just rambling. But the whole point of saying that is, is to do the inner work, the deeper work, so that you become clear and then things become undisguised. Yeah. That's super well said. I, I It makes me think too, it's like, it just popped into my mind as you're talking. It's like the the like the the control that comes from letting go right and it's like if if you find yourself in that situation you're hating your job you feel ethical dilemmas in what you're doing it's like i can either choose to fixate on that and destroy my own inner world or i can let go of that release it and say i'm going to do the best with this moment that i can and either either one i just leave the job quit move on yes. get another career or if that's not possible i'm going to you know make a plan to be able to exit this, but in this moment, in these moments that I'm still here, I'm still going to choose to do exactly my best right. in these moments. So um, that, that's exactly really, right. really, really good advice. Um, I think that's a really good place to kind of end off. I have a couple of questions I like to ask my guests. We can just run them, run through them real quick. I know you got to hop off here pretty soon. Um, do you have any like personal heroes or anyone you look up to on a personal level? Yeah. You know, I mean, I look up to anybody um, that is, that is honestly, that is doing the inner work that is willing mm. to step in there and do the work. I don't see heroes as the way that other people do. I, I've been around many, many billionaires. I've been around many, many, not many, but I've been around a few enlightened masters. And, and the thing is they're all ordinary, right? They're all like, you know, one of the things that, you know, Eckhart was saying was that like, he's like, the number one question that I get from people is why are you in Starbucks? Cause he drinks coffee every morning or he drinks wine. And so he's like, they're, like, they have this idea that they're supposed to be a spiritual teacher, but he's like, I like coffee. I enjoy drinking wine, right? And it's just, it's funny because we have these concepts around these individuals. And, and to me, um, I think the people that you that you look up to is the ones who are, who are doing the deep inner work. It could be a school teacher, a bus driver. It could be somebody mm -hmm. that is, you know, doing, uh, you know, law service. It could be anything, right? They're just doing the ordinary work, but while they're doing it, they're, they're choosing to do the inner work, which to me changes all of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. It's like any, anyone who kind of it reflects that inner light, right? That, that sends yes. that light back out. And so, yeah, that's, yeah. that's well said. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, what about books? If you had to pick two books, uh, that you could recommend to someone, what would they be? Um, well, Michael Singer is a, is a dear friend of mine. Have you heard of Michael Singer, by the way? I have. Yeah. Michael? yeah. Michael's a dear friend. And, and to me, it, I think his books are extremely well written, uh, in terms of personal and spiritual growth. Um, he has three that are, um, I'll kind of, kind of answer this for one, which is, you know, the surrender experiment, living untethered and the untethered soul. And he's written, he's got a couple other ones that are older. I spent a lot of personal time with Michael and he's an incredible human being, enlightened individual, and he's written some really amazing stuff out there. Um, so I would, I, anything that he does, I would, I would highly recommend people doing that. Um, also, uh, you know, it's kind of on the other side of things. Um, Phil Jackson's got a great book out there and I love Phil because he was involved with, you know, 11 rings and yet in the 1990s, he was getting his players to meditate and to read spiritual books way before anybody else was. And he's very deep in that inward path and yet achieved a tremendous on the outward path as well too. Yeah. Okay. And then the, the last question I always like to ask my guests and, um, you know, get a, get a mixed range of answers. But if, if you could like hop in a little time machine right now and, and fly back and go to, I, th I think it sounds like maybe teenage you, right. That was going through all the stuff that you were going through at that yeah. time. If you could give yourself a piece of advice, what, what might it be? Yeah. I think there's, 
I want to say there's two pieces, but the first piece of advice that I would give to me is this for me to realize that I'm not the voice inside my head. I think that mm -hmm. is the most powerful thing that we can teach to anybody is that you are not the voice inside your head. You are the one who witnesses that. Yeah. If you get that at a young age, I think everything else falls in place. Yeah. From a business side, if you want to answer that from a business side, I would say the, the, the answer is to think bigger. And we've heard that before, but the, what that really does is thinking is asking yourself a series of questions. And then you actually answer it in your own head, which is kind of odd. Like you're the one in there asking the question and you answer it, but that's what thinking is. When you think bigger, if I just use an example, if I said, I want to go out and make $50,000 a year, you instantaneously box yourself into a way of thinking of who am I going to become? How do I have to do this? What models do I have to play? Who do I have to hire? So around $50,000, you box yourself into a series of thinking and questions, which then leads to results, into actions, into steps that you're taking. Whereas if I didn't take any more energy, I said, how do I go make $100 million a year? The, the box that you've now put yourself into of who I have to become, how am I going to do this? Who am I going to hire? The, the models that I'm going to follow, the people that I need to be associated with and learn from is a completely different box. And now yeah. I just did that in business. You could do that in your personal fitness, your health, spirituality, right? Your relationships. But thinking bigger, there's always a box in people's lives. You just may not know it. And that's why the whole point is, is to constantly keep pushing your own box to create a new level of action that then produces a new result, which is what leadership is. Leadership is not a noun. It's not a corner office. It's not an abstract concept. Leadership is about getting others to take a new level of action that benefits them in the organization in itself. So that's what leadership is. And actually it's an active verb. Love it. Love it. Um, all right, real quick. Uh, if anyone wants to find out more about you, look you up, find out more about your book, anything like that. Um, how should someone look you up and find out more about you? Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. You know, Adam com. it links to the 200% life podcast, 200% life book. We've got a ton of free downloads and resources there. Um, so go feel free to check it out. Thanks for having me awesome. on today too. I really appreciate yeah, it. No problem. Thanks for coming on. Great talking with you. You too. Thanks for listening to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast. And hopefully you learned at least one lesson on today's episode. Our mission here is to uncover practical wisdom to create a better way of living for our audience. If you enjoyed this episode, Please help us by leaving the show a review on your podcast platform of choice and by giving it a share on social media. This really helps us to grow our audience and to continue to add more episodes. If you are interested in learning more, please check out our website at renaissance-wisdom.com or check out the book that started it all, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day, now on Amazon. Thank you again, and may wisdom be your guide.